Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. So we're at class 34 of 35 of this year's uh, jhana review. Uh, this sutta, the Simsapa Sutta, commonly known and famously known as the Handful of Leaves Sutta, um, is here because we've heard a lot, I think 32 suttas in all. Uh, those of you that have come to some or all of these classes, I know that there's a lot of material presented, but it, all of that is presented in the context of what the Buddha taught, this simple little practice of an eightfold path that anybody can understand and integrate rather quickly into their lives, provided we don't try to add to it. And that's the, that's the point of the Visuddha. The Buddha is saying, I know a lot about a lot of different things, but I don't teach a lot of different things. I teach the other things that are related to the goal, and he leaves out anything else that might be a distraction. That's how we practice. On one occasion, the Buddha was staying with a group of disciples in a Simsapa or an Indian rosewood forest in Kosambi. He reached down, picking up a handful of leaves. He then asked those gathered, what is greater in number, the leaves in my hand or those in the trees? The disciples replied, the leaves in your hand are few. The trees have many more. Just as the leaves in the trees are more numerous, the things that I know from direct knowledge, and again, when the Buddha is talking about direct knowledge, or we are, we're talking about experiential knowledge, something that relates to the Dhamma that we've actually experienced ourselves. The things that I know from direct knowledge are far more numerous than what I teach as my Dhamma. The reason I do not teach these other things is they are not part of my Dhamma. They are not related to my Dhamma and they do not support the principles of life integrated with the Eightfold Path. So primarily what the Buddha is referring to as the leaves on the trees are like many of the people, the students that he had of that time and much like we teach our students today, uh, they were all into all the different things and all the different teachers that came through northern India and southern Nepal. They were they all traveled this uh, trade route, um, and so the Buddha learned and a lot of, and people other people learned a lot of different things that were so called spiritual or religious. Uh, there wasn't such a thing called Buddhism, um, but there was a well established um, and the beginnings of Hindu practice and also. Uh, Jain or Jainism was popular. So there was a lot of different uh, competing ideas and ideologies, just like we are today. Um, and the Buddha is saying, I know about all those things, but I don't teach any of those things. I teach just this. These other things do not lead to disenchantment, to dispassion, to calm, to direct knowledge, to cessation, or to self-awakening. We do it ourselves. These other things do not lead to unbinding from views ignorant of Four Noble Truths. I teach Four Noble Truths. 
One, this is stress. Two, this is the origination of stress. Three, this is the cessation of stress. And four, the Eightfold Path is a path developing the cessation of stress. So what's the, what the Buddha is pointing out is these are the things that we develop direct knowledge of and nothing more. Stress, the origination of stress, the cessation of stress, which means that we have to actually experience it. If we're going to have direct knowledge of the cessation of stress, it's for us to recognize that we're doing it to ourselves and for ourselves. <coughs> and we do that through the Eightfold Path or integrating that. And the Buddha says, this is what I teach. I teach these things because they are related to my Dhamma and they support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. When I first came across this sutta, which was pretty early um, in my restoration of the Buddha's teachings, um, this helped me so much in letting go of the, all the other things that I had learned and committed to in you know, many years of Buddhist practice and taking vows and doing all kinds of different things and rites and rituals, making a lot of friends and a lot of connections. Uh, and it took a little while to realize none of that is what the Buddha was teaching. And I was once I realized that, I became very grateful and, and recognizing how fortunate I was to start to understand what the Buddha actually taught. Because up until then, I had a determined Buddhist practice that was going nowhere because it wasn't based on anything that had that a human being could directly experience. It was all about other realms and all this stuff that has nothing to do with the human being. Then the Buddha says, these things that I teach lead directly to disenchantment, to calm, to dispassion, to direct knowledge, to cessation, and to self-awakening, making that point again. These things that I teach lead directly to unbinding from views, ignorant of four noble truths. So that's a check on our own practice. It's, is what we're practicing going to lead us directly to understanding four noble truths? Or is it a, merely a distraction? It might be a pleasant distraction, but a distraction nevertheless. This is why I teach these things. So this is your practice. Understanding stress, understanding the origination of stress, experiencing the cessation of stress or dukkha, and developing the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of Dukkha. That's tonight's sutta, short and sweet. I was going to go maybe squeeze in the Bada Karata Sutta because they often do. Um, but I think it's this, this is a good place right here um, to realize how emphatic the Buddha was on keeping his teachings pure. And it's one of the reasons why we are, not one of the reasons, it's the reasons why we do the same thing here because they are related to the goal. And that's what we're doing here at Cross River Meditation Center. We're teaching self-awakening. That, that self-awakening takes place, can take place, and it should take place in this lifetime. The way that I look at it now, I feel so fortunate to have realized this before, uh, before the cow got me. Because at least not at least, I understand what it means to be a human being. And I understand that sometimes that means there's going to be stress and suffering. And that's all part of the bag. But it sure is a nice ride when you can just be present for it, isn't it?
So we'll go around the room. Um, I'm going to start with Julia because that's who's right in front of me. Does anybody mind being on camera tonight? Everybody's hair is combed. <laughs> Julia. Hi, Julia. Put on the spot. I was hoping to get a little bit more inspiration from the group. Do you want me to? Oh. Yeah, I need to take rebel silence until long. Oh, okay. We're going to, yeah, you just put Raquel on the spot. <laughs> Sorry, Raquel. Hello, Raquel. <laughs> um, thank you for your teaching. If you have something to say later, please speak up. Hello, Zach. What if we hear the teachers first tonight? I'll go first. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop teaching the class and leading the class and leave it up to you, David. So I always put a couple things together with the sutta. The hindrance of doubt and the phrase, be gentle with yourself. Because this sutta instructs me to keep within the boundaries yeah. and not try to fashion something that is comfortable for me. Yeah. Listen to the teachers. And I don't take anything away and I don't try to add anything in. So the Buddha's instruction of this is what I teach allows me not to have to rethink too much yeah. and one of the I think more insidious hindrances is doubt because doubt is saying I'm not sure about this practice yeah. so I'll try to dig a little deeper in readings outside of your restoration so, or yeah. I'll try to dabble in listening to scholars that can maybe initially think that you're clarifying something so i think this is what being gentle with yourself means is trust what you're teaching and trust what you're learning so i always think of this is opposite as like keep it in the guardrails of what you're teaching mm -hmm. so. thank you david uh sadika how are you tonight? Hi, I'm good. Um, hi everyone. I'm I'm just I don't have much to say, but I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad you're here too. Thanks for joining us. Jane, how are you? I'm fine. Um, this really is one of my favorite suttas. I know you say that all the time, but this is one of mine. Just because it's so simple, um, I take it a little bit further than just with ideology. I mean, there's just so many ideas out there, so many things that you can think you need to learn or to do. And I know it's been a lot of my life just trying to learn different things because I thought that would make my life better. And, and the handful of leaves, which is the, which is the eight, uh, the four noble truths. I mean, it's just something so simple, and you know, it it brought something that I didn't even know I was looking for. 
but it, it's just so simple. And that's why I really like it so much. Yeah. And you developed it that way because you did always keep it simple. You know, you, you stayed within the guardrails, right? That's right. Like David said. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, Jane. Oh, my teacher, Brian. Hi, John. Uh, thank you for this. Yeah, I similar to David and, and Jane, um, all those other trees and all those other leaves are, are enchanting. And we get enamored with them and we chase them and we want them and we crave them. We think we need them. And it's it's just it's just perpetual eye making. It's it's wrong view, right? It's it's again, it's these yeah. four things. It's understanding stress and understanding the origination of stress, et cetera. And so the, the first thing that happens when you start focusing on your right view and the understanding of stress is disentangling from the the world and all those other trees, you become less enamored with them. And that's the path then to self-awakening, disenchantment, dispassion, calm, knowledge, cessation. Uh, and again, like you don't have to know all the stuff and all the other trees and all the other leaves. It's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't lead to awakening or unbinding. So thank you. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Mark, you have something to contribute tonight? Teaching, great comments from everybody. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 very interesting. Less is more, I guess. <laughs> and, That's uh, exactly it. And uh, I've always had uh, hunger for knowledge, and. Somehow this might help me to just kind of uh, put defenses around that hunger. So, yeah, it, it you're it's really just about um, not not dissuading seeking knowledge, but actually keeping our focus where our knowledge can be really useful to ourselves. You know, rather than jumping up into all those different trees, it just just do this. And once we do this, then everything else is just secondary to the quality of our mind, isn't it? And that's what we take care of. That's what we're mindful of. What is the quality of my mind? How am I doing? Oh, good cock used to say. Thank you. You were you were gonna be next, Zach. Yeah, you're <laughs> Thanks for the teaching, John. I definitely think I've heard this one a few times now, but I appreciate how on its face, this could be a great teaching to start with, but this is also <clears throat> possibly one of the best to end with. And I appreciate that we're ending with it now because mm -hmm. when you start with it, you say, okay, this is it, right? And you go through all these other teachings. And when you look at the the defilements and you come back to this teaching you understand why this is the caution of the buddha because <coughs> greed aversion delusion these human tendencies we all want to make this bigger than this animal yeah that's it and so it's it's almost a small teaching in a certain way but also really kind of 
it's got this meta aspect to it as well. Yeah, it's a short sutta, but it's very, very significant to our practice and to understand it. And we're going to finish this review Saturday with the Dhamma Paharan Sutta, which is just about how we dwell in the Dhamma. So they all fit together nicely, but all the suttas seem to do that. So. It just makes so much sense, you know, the human inclination for, for more. Yeah. Including right here in this practice. And even always, 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 until you take this practice. And it's for me, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, and 2,600 years later, and it's still just as relevant, maybe even more so today. I think there's, maybe I, you know, just because I'm living now, it seems like there's probably more distractions today than during the Buddhist time. Maybe not. But yeah, maybe, but there was a lot going on during the Buddhist time, too. You know? any, any cows roaming around anymore? Nope. There was a lot of cows, a lot of different <laughs> teachers, a lot of wars. It was a very violent time, just like today, you know like human beings are but keep it focused mm -hmm. and if you do that the more focused we can keep it you know and again that's why we emphasize it stay focused on just this one thing the easier and the quicker you're going to get it which is the point isn't to get it quickly but let's get it you know we're the human life is short let's might as well wake up while we still have a chance Raquel do you have anything you'd like to add tonight <laughs> well said. <laughs> Thanks, Raquel. Julia? Yeah. Um, Thanks for coming back. I, um, I've been stuck on the third noble truth more than usual lately. Uh, I think that's where my practice has been struggling, is remembering that this process can end this whatever you're feeling can if you know if there is a way out uh, and this is the way out uh, it's funny how quickly you can get blinders put up when you're just like crushing against this thing that you just want to be different this clinging or craving or aversion to something it, i'm still in a place in my practice where i'm like yes like i i impermanence i get but it's hard to to the next step, I think, and like stop wrestling the thing. This can end, and I just need to, or I can choose to just sit or take a breath. Yeah. And it's not me, it's not mine. No. Yeah. Do you notice when you're, when you do do that though, right? When you, your mind might be in a distracted state and you're able to bring yourself back? That's the that's the third noble truth. Yeah, but right? still, I mean, in that moment. Yeah, sometimes it's harder than others. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, human life is difficult, and so we're bringing this very gentle practice into some of the difficulties of our all our individual lives. So when we're trying to apply the Dhamma in a particularly stressful time, it can seem like quite a struggle. Because it is, you know, but, but it's always there. The refuge of the Dhamma is always there. And you're right to recognize it that way. Thank you, Julia. Hello, Ron. Thank you for bringing back the Simsaka Sutta. Um, 
Yeah. Just like Mark, I've always been the one to, to be thirsting after knowledge. That's the big thing on the week. Um, and in the beginning of, of my practice, I, I didn't bring in a lot of extra stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah. You, you should have seen Ron back uh, then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He used to bring a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> Dragging it up the steps. But know, there's boom, that boom, boom. there's right effort. Stay with it. Yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> And nowadays, I, I still look out on, onto the world with a, with a really keen eye. Mm. And I'm, um, you know, wanting more understanding of what's going on. Yeah. But now I know the, the boundary between where that fits in my practice and where it, where it doesn't. Yeah. For the rest, you know, a lot of times I've now realized this is just entertainment yeah. I'm doing for myself. Nothing else. Yeah, it has, it has very little value. Uh, but any time I actually put my mind to to the Dharma, uh, then it has value. Yeah. That's the right way to put it, too, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is this is the most valuable thing we can there, do in this there lifetime. Is, there is a lot of no. There's, the world is big. It's yeah. huge. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, but you can get lost in it, and and if you don't keep that focus uh, with with the Simsaka Sutta, um, it, it's you're going to water down your practice. Hmm. It's just that you know that attention that you're giving to you know, all these other wonderful, interesting things. Uh, it just takes you away from, from, from the Dharma and from, not that it's difficult, at least not for me, um, because the, the, the practice is so rewarding mm -hmm. that um, it takes very little um, strain for me to be like, oh, how am I doing this? <laughs> am I wasting my time? Thank you. It was well said. Yeah, I'm, I'm more curious about the world I live in now than I've ever been. And I'm glad that I haven't lost that, you know, curiosity for, and just to look at life and just, you know, I look out there like the Buddha taught, you know, I looked out in the world and the world was a flame, a flame with what was flame with the fires of passion. And you can see it everywhere in the world. You see greed and aversion everywhere you look. And it's just part of the human game. You know, if not that I diminish it in any way, but that's what that's how human beings live, unless they have some direct knowledge of four noble truths, and then they tend to live differently. I'm just fortunate that I found it. Thank you, Ron. David, anything else? It allows you to look at different things, but within the context of this practice. Yeah. So you can do anything you want. You can be interested in anything you want. But when you do it within the context, it gives you that clarity of like this is not me. This yeah. is not mine. Yeah. So therefore you can do anything you want. You can be interested in anything you want. But 
it has to be within the context of what you're learning in this practice. Yeah. So. Well said, Dhamma teacher. Here's one more teacher. Hello, man. Glad you're here tonight. Good to be here. Good to see everybody. Good to, good to hear this discussion. I, I really like what I'm hearing. And <coughs> you know, like Raquel said, come and see for yourself. And John, you echoed that in saying, you know, talking about you're more curious now about life in general than ever. Yeah. So that the Buddha is not admonishing curiosity or, or things like that. It's just, you know, and like David said, the guardrails, it's like the, this, this eightfold path practice is a limiting practice. It limits the You know, limits limits the focus from all the leaves in the trees to just these handful. Yep. So I, I like what I'm, I like everyone said tonight. Um, I don't have anything to add, but I did want to make an announcement and just say that um, I myself am am so grateful for you, John, and, and the work that you do, and uh, and I'm really grateful for everyone here in the sangha. And so I, I wanted to just remind everyone that there's a donation basket there in the front. And if you don't get a chance to put anything in it today or at class when you're here, go to the website and, you know, consider donating on the donate, you know, and support John button on the website. Because this is a labor of love and this is something that John spends a tremendous amount of time doing for all of us, and all of us have received tremendous benefit. Um, and, you know, probably spend whatever, 30 bucks on coffee cups a month or something. So you could throw something in the hat. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all your generosity. Now I don't have anything to say. <laughs> it's, it take, it's taken 68 years, four months, 18 days to get to that. I guess I still have something to say, though. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, it's certainly been a labor of love, and I just... I wouldn't want my life to be any any different, but I appreciate all the questions. Um, anybody have any other questions or comments about the the simple and direct path that we have, and so fortunate to have? We have a question next week because of the holidays. Mm -hmm. We the same. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. We're, we have one more class left in this on Saturday on the Dhammaviharan Sutta. Um, I know up until right now, um, you were looking uh, on the schedule, it was we're going to go right to the Vipassana review, that Vipassana meaning insight into the three marks of existence, which is 
the only insight that the Buddha taught. Uh, I'm going to start that on Saturday, January 6th. So in the meantime, uh, beginning next Tuesday, there's going to be a seven-class uh, review of uh, right view and the five clinging aggregates. And I think that really fits in nicely right now and hearing some of the questions that you've asked. Uh, get a little bit more understanding of how that fits in. And then I think there's five more classes left in the year, and I'm going to fill those in, I think, with individual suttas. But that's where we're going. And uh, yeah, the um, I think everybody in this room is going uh, to the dinner and to the Laura's concert. So uh, we all know that. Brian, are you coming? <laughs> uh, Brian doesn't like Sorry. <laughs> Not this time. Foggy <laughs> bag. That's probably yeah. a direct Grand Mercer. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just gonna have. I'm oh, sorry, John. Just mm -hmm. We have class next Tuesday and next Saturday, even Thanksgiving. Yes. Is is next? Is next Thursday is Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we'll have class on Tuesday and Saturday as we always do. Yeah. Unless the. Unless the, the holiday actually falls on that day, we have a class. And I don't think we'll be, yeah, we'll have a day, a class the day after Christmas and a class the day after New Year. So the January 2nd class is going to be, I don't know how many of you read my New Year's message from last year. Um, I, and I'm going to teach the same New Year's message this year because it was so good and nothing has changed at all in the, in the world. So <laughs> it's it's still relevant and I don't have to write. No, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to teaching it again. I think it's it's just a really great way to kind of start off our year of practice and it puts the focus right where it needs to be. We're mm -hmm. fortunate to have this simple Dhamma because I couldn't teach something any more complicated than anyway. So the, the translation that you, that you did was from what language? I didn't translate. I know a little bit of Pali, not, I mean, six, you know, a handful of words. <coughs> what, <clears throat> what I did, and it was, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> when, I, when I finally, it's early, so I can talk a little bit tonight. Um, after, I don't know how many years I spent in modern Buddhism, uh, I took my vows in a certain Tibetan lineage. I studied with John Lurie and you know, this guy and that guy. Um, and I just kept getting more and more confused. And similar to what the Buddha taught, at one point he got just so frustrated with everything he was learning and all the trees, grasping onto trees, and he said, no more. And that's when he sat down and he just meditated and he realized what we're teaching today. Um, I, do, I got incredibly frustrated um, and I didn't, I stopped blaming myself. You know, there's a, there's a coercive nature out there you know, that, um, that kind of makes you feel you don't, anyway, it's even taught in some schools that we're not, we're not capable of really understanding, but that's okay. You'll awaken in a, a million lifetimes from now. So just keep going. And that always sounded just, why would I want to do that? But I did it anyway. And then other other things that were taught that like uh, that resolve in emptiness or nothingness. Why would I want to go there? But I, you know, I went on many Vipassana retreats focusing on nothingness. 
Um, and anyway, out of that frustration, I started looking again at the suttas. And I started noticing a thread founded in dependent origination in Four Noble Truths. And I learned something years ago when I was doing research on other things. And if you're having trouble trying to understand something, look for a consistent thread. And that's what I looked for. And I looked for a consistent thread with dependent origination and just Four Noble Truths. And, you know, it was kind of like a light went off. And I started realizing that if I keep just on dependent origination and just on Four Noble Truths and strip out everything else, what I was stripping out was all the magical thinking and the, you know, the, the, um, the other realms and the different gods and the different, the, the, the endless Buddhas. And it's just this, it's just this practice. So um, more than I translated, I restored the Dhamma from other people's translations. And I, I went through, uh, as I was doing a restoration process, I would, I had four or five or six books open at the same time and looking at different suttas. And you know, Tanasara Bhikkhu is a big one, but uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi and some other lesser gnomes. Um, uh, Sister Kema, it's hard to find now. Um, I can't think of these other guys' names. Christmas Humphreys was pretty good. And a couple other folks. Um, and looking through those, looking through, say, five or six different suttas that were translated by different people, and then looking for that common thread of dependent origination and four noble truths, where is it? And again, it just became clear. So, uh, as I continued to, to uh, restore the suttas, there's close to 400 now on the website, my understanding just got deeper and deeper. You know, that just not, that brings up something else. We used to talk more about this, but if you're, when you write something out, you're using a different part of your brain than just when you're listening or talking. And so if you're really struggling with a particular sutta, and you can copy it verbatim, but just write it out. And you, you'd be surprised how, quickly you'll understand that just by using that other part of your brain. And, and I think, I think that's what happened to me. I had this pretty hard brain to get in anything into, but as I was writing the suttas out so I could put them on the website and teach them, I understood even more uh, deeply, you know, this Simsapa Sutta. It's just this, you know, but there's a lot of ways of skinning this Dhamma cat, isn't there? You know, we come at it at all different angles because that's how broad our minds are. You know, we, we're the human mind and the capacity to learn is unbelievable. I mean, what what we know as human beings, the knowledge that all the, the knowledge that are in all the trees of the human beings is really astonishing. Uh, you, nobody could could keep up with it all, but we don't have to. All that we have to do is this little handful of leaves. So, did I answer your question, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> did you expect it to take that much? Well, so you selected 35 uh, suttas that you thought were connected and provided the complete picture. 
Yeah, I don't know. This right, so out of a larger body of work of suitors. Yes, yeah, these these thirty five suitors were picked or curated by me. I don't know that I would say they they they're the complete picture because I don't think it, you know I could say that, but they they present a very broad understanding of jhana meditation. So again, I think would do, do you all feel like you developed a deeper understanding of jhana meditation through this review? Yeah, I would say definitely. Even even an old coot like yeah, you. Even an old cracker like myself. Cracker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my son always says I was raised by cracker in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, this has been helpful for me, you know, with um Wait a minute, what did Anita say when she was called a cracker? Uh well Anita doesn't doesn't have the you know, <laughs> sense of humor. She knew he was I talking about wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking about my uh, my own experience here. Oh, I interrupted uh, you both. But, I uh, couldn't imagine Anita being called a cracker. <laughs> <that call. laughs> Took her a while to even understand what they were doing. <laughs> and then she didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, this it has been uh, just this 35 different viewpoints of jhana meditation that has deepened my, my understanding and my practice yep. of jhana. Uh, and I have, you know, I've, I've had <clears throat> plenty of struggles with that. And uh, there's just been a, a couple of words, sentences uh, throughout this this series that said, ah, okay, I don't need to do that. I can do that. <coughs> uh, it's been, yeah, to me, it's been helpful. And, and, but this goes for, for, for all the ways that, that you present you know, these, these reviews, because they are just reviews. Yeah. At least for me, they are, because I've heard of pretty much all of them. You know, occasionally oh, yeah. they'll throw a little zinger in there that's new, but um, it's a review, and every time you hear a circuit, there's a little something that, that pops out, maybe even unconsciously, you know, or it adds to something else that you heard previously, uh, and uh, yeah, to have 35 different viewpoints on one subject is, to me, is very helpful. Mm -hmm. and, and remember, this is, you know, part of an ongoing thing. This is not the first review, and it's not the last one. Yeah, yeah it could have been a, a 40 suit to review or a 20 you know it, but this is this is what it is and you know like the instructions for the jhana meditation that have changed over time there is a it, when you when you read the buddha from and there's no timeline like there's no the simsapa sutta was taught on a certain date so you got to kind of understand the buddha's way of teaching but his teaching changed and deepened over time as well, just like we have here. And impermanence comes to the Dhamma. So um, as a Sangha, we've developed um, skillfully. Um, but also, 
when you when you come to something like a 35 class genre review, again, 35 different selects, actually 32, I think, different suttas, seems like an awful lot. But the subject of genre is always getting deeper and deeper. And every time I go through it, every time I teach a class, I learn something at a much deeper and profound level than I ever did. You know, this is this is a, a marvelous seat to have in those the other teachers that um, but it's also a marvelous thing to learn, isn't it? You know, I mean it it, it just is. So uh, anybody else have anything they'd like to add about the genre review? So that's what we do, and we're gonna do that for Possum Review. I think that's 32 classes, which is 32. Some of them are that we already taught in Jhana. Just because it was part of the Jhana review doesn't mean it doesn't fit in a review of the three marks of existence in, in true insight. Um, but the focus will be different. Will be you know, the, and the context will be a little bit different. Um, it's a nice way to start out the year. Usually, we we do the truth to happiness either right at the beginning of the year or across the holidays, and. I'm, I'm rewriting the truth of happiness, so we're not going to do that until I get that rewrite done. I think I'm probably going to unpublish the truth of happiness. Maybe not, because there is a little legacy there that was the the first book I ever published. But I think I can I think I can do better than that. That the truth of happiness actually, I put that book together rather quickly. It was just a booklet at one time because I was asked by Hunter and Medical Center to put something together. I think I had eight weeks to do it and to teach something there. And I, so I, Becoming Buddha was going to be the first book, but I kind of took this out of it and made that, that correspondence course. But anyway, that's what's going on. Yes, sir. I have one point of clarification. Sure. Um, I really, Ram, I really like, and it's not the first time that it's really resonated when you call, you know, that, that, that thirst for knowledge entertainment. Mm -hmm. I don't think you use the word entertainment before, but I like the word entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with curiosity and entertainment. No. But when it comes to the point of distraction, or when you try to use that entertainment and, and add it to either concept itself and or this teaching, that's when you get in trouble. But would you say that again if you can? It was really I it's hard. It was it was really it was good. It was brilliant. When you add entertainment to the concept of self, right? Then you're outside of the the teaching, right? So yes. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is you 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 go to you go to a concert for the experience of hearing your music. You don't go to the concert to add to the concept of self. Yeah, right? that's right. And and I think that's you you can learn and express a curiosity and have a thirst for knowledge to have to to understand and maintain that curiosity. You don't do that out of the thirst to continue to develop self. And I think that's that's the big difference, at least for me, that I've found. I do things because of the experience, not because of the 
the acquisition mindset of self. Yeah, it won't make you a better right. And so in that in that way, you actually can experience it because you're not thinking about the snapshots. That That's right. Take to build self. Yeah. And so I just I think it's I don't know for me at this point in my my practice I think it's important because I think you could hear this sutta and say well I am interested in what else is going on out in the world and this this practice actually allows you to do that more fully like we talk about yeah. all the time it allows you to experience things more fully because you don't have to hold on to them yeah you're simply a reference point to what is exactly. yeah. So, yeah, you're well said, Seth, because that, that's just what we're doing. We're, we, don't, we don't lose our humanity through Dhamma practice. We gain our humanity. Once, once we have done that, now we're bringing a human being to the concert or to the play or the ballpark or relationship or walking a dog right? mm -hmm. with just a reference point to it. And it, it, our lives might become simpler. Usually they do in some ways. Um, but like I said, my, I'm, my, I've always been a curious person. It, I used to wonder why other people weren't as curious as me, but then I found that there's many people that are. But, you know, I hope I live to 300 because there's so much things to learn. And to, I probably won't. That's next year, right? Also related with what I said, like the necessity of always need to do with me something. Yeah. Am I doing this this weekend? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I, you know, entertaining myself to distract myself from myself? Yeah. Or to build the story of yourself to yourself. It's a good idea if you don't do it already to to set up. And this, this can be difficult at first if you're the kind of person that always has to be planning and doing. Set aside some unstructured time and maybe just begin with uh, four hours on Sunday afternoon. No plans, no structure. And then build on that and add it and you make that to be a, a full 24-hour day. With It doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you don't plan anything. And see what happens, you know. And then look, watch how you might fill up that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turn your turn your phones off often. You know, throw your throw all that all that technology in a closet. You know, for at least once in a while. We're not meant to be. That's you know, stolen focus by Johan Hari is a very good book on that. Uh, he does get into a few other things, but uh, it's called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. I think it's J H. A R Y is how you spell this later. Maybe. Yeah. But here we are, you know, 2,600 years after the, the, the great man passed, but just doing what he taught. <laughs> and it works. We're fortunate to have the Dhamma. I'm fortunate to have all of you. We'll finish as we always do with Metta. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. This is the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. I'm describing the qualities of an awakened, fully mature human being. 
This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, Free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you all. Peace. See Thank you, John. Again. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. See Bye. You See you, Brian. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddhist Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddhist Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.